Hey there, folks. Before we get started with the show today, I actually just wanted to take a moment and say thank you. Uh, no, no sponsor, no plug this week. I just wanted to take a moment and just say thank you to everyone that has tuned in, subscribed, and, and listened to the podcast and, and sent in suggestions and left reviews. It's just really cool that, you know, even at episode four, uh, the response and support so far has just been really exciting. I'm I'm so grateful to all of you tuning in and and hopefully just enjoying this journey of movies with me. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. I'm excited about today's show. Luke and I dive into some movie discussion of news. We give our spoiler-free review of Tenet, and we have some laughs and some goofs along the way. And so sit back, buckle in, and I'm going to hand it off to my audio engineer, Dennis, because he is going to cue that intro music. Movies of Matt. Movies of Matt. Movies, movies, movies of Matt. 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 Hey there, folks. Welcome to Movies with Matt. I am your host, Matthew Ferris, and joining me today is my co-host, Luke Ferris. Welcome back to the show, Luke. Thank you for having me. Yes, how does it feel to be back now as a regular on the show? Um, yeah. How has your life changed? Um, on a, on a scale of, of zero to ten, mm-hmm. zero being no change, yep. and ten being like maximum change, yeah. like I'm living the high life. Flying around in jets with celebrities. Exactly. Trying to like keep all the fans away from you. Yeah. You know, fight them off with a stick. Um, I would have to say it is surprisingly, uh, a zero. I, I, I'm actually very disappointed. Okay. I thought it was going to be like at least an eight. I was, I was hoping for more than zero, but yeah, I mean, I I could say it was like a one or two Mm -hmm. just to try to. Be less, I mean, you less could, negative you could, about it. You could still throw it in. But I'd be lying to you. It, it It's just a zero. Well, it's if zero. there's something... If that, anything, it's somehow worse. I don't know how that works. But if anything, it's actually a little I, less. I guess I can at least say I'm grateful for the honesty. I kind of wish I had lied now and said it was like a four. It's fine. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, folks, we're back this week. We're here, of course... To talk about movies today on the show, we are going to be doing a spoiler-free review of Tenet for two reasons. Number one, because we don't want to spoil it for you. And number two, if we're, again, this is not to give away too much, but if we're being honest, we feel Mm -hmm. like we need to watch it a second time before Mm -hmm. we can fully get into spoilers. So it works out perfectly for Mm -hmm. today. So you have that to look forward to. We'll have some recommendations um, one thing I'm actually pretty excited about is, uh, you know, this year is the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. And so a number of theaters, at least the ones that are open, are actually getting the film back in to be able to go see. And I do think there were some theaters playing it a little while back, but now it's kind of making a resurgence. So I'm excited because this week we're going to get to go to our local Alamo Draft House here in Phoenix and, uh, go get to enjoy Empire Strikes Back in a theater. Because mm-hmm. uh, I I was one of the, you know, 
I was a part of the generation back in the late 90s when the special edition Star Wars came out. And so they had re-released -re uh, re the original three movies, but the special edition versions in theaters. And so I got to go. I'm pretty sure I saw all three of those mm. when I was a kid. And that was like crazy. But ever since then, the original trilogy hasn't been in theaters. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know about you. Yeah, and no, I'm very excited too. It'll just be great to see it in theaters. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know if you saw those original three in theaters when they, when no. the special editions had come out. No, I, I did not. No, so I'm excited about it. I hope to. Obviously, I think they're treating this like, oh, it's the 40th anniversary, so it's coming back out. But I think it would be great if they, even during this time, released a New Hope in Return of the Jedi as well, back in the theater, so you could actually have the chance to watch all three so we'll see i'm i'd hope so yeah. i'd assume they'll do that at some point yeah me too that'd be awesome yeah so that's on the horizon so i'm very much looking forward to that and so just to segue into kind of our uh commentary on news and such going on uh the only kind of the teaser that popped up this week that i thought was interesting was a movie called wolf of snow hollow which is actually an independent movie it was written and directed by and actually stars uh, a really cool guy named Jim Cummings who had made a movie called Thunder Road it had come out a year or two ago. It was a very independent movie that was based off a short film of his hmm. that actually had watched the short film originally when that first existed. Hmm. And then when there was news, the movie I actually went and saw that and really enjoyed it. And so this is his second feature film, if I'm not mistaken. And a part of why it stuck out was because of the actor uh, Robert Forster, who, uh, I really love, mm -hmm. and I'd say I feel like you would say the same of him too. Like he's yeah, just, for sure. You know, mm -hmm. he unfortunately passed away. I think was it was it last year that he had passed away, or was it earlier this year? Um, Forgive me. I feel I actually am verifying right now. It was it was in recent memory. That's why it's kind of skipping my mind. It was yes, it was it was last year. Okay, because we had thought that his final performance on screen was actually for the Breaking Bad El Camino movie. Mm -hmm. That's what I originally thought, which, uh, needless to say, he's perfect in that movie and mm -hmm. actually thought like, oh, this is like a really cool, like kind of final performance yeah. to have. Mm -hmm. So, so I was surprised to learn that not only is this Jim Cummings second film, but I, it is actually Robert Forster's actual final role. But mm. even then it looks like it's going to be a great role for him in this movie. It essentially, uh, focuses in on this like small town during the winter and it's these kind of string of murders that seem to happen every time there's a full moon. And so the town and the, the other cops seem to think that it's a werewolf going about. And Jim Cummings plays the main character who's a cop. And he, at least in the teaser, seems to be the only one who tries to re-emphasize that there's no such thing as werewolves. And yet, things seem to look stranger uh, than they are. It looks like a really interesting movie, at least tonally, because it, it almost seems to be like a combination. It's obviously some horror elements. Uh, at the same time, it seems very kind of dramatic and heartfelt, but then almost kind of a black comedy at the same time a little bit. Yeah. Maybe black comedy is a bit extreme of word, but the film seems to have kind of a an interesting sense of humor blended into it all. Yeah, it does. And so, yeah, what do you, at least from that initial teaser, what do you think of it? Or what are your first thoughts um, on how it looks? I mean, I'm really curious to see it, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, it's an interesting blend of those three different things. Mm -hmm. 
and you don't see that a lot. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's the kind of trailer where it's, it's really hard for me to form like a strong opinion about yeah. it. I just kind of need to see it. That's fair. And obviously I have any sort of judgment. Yeah. And it was a teaser as well. It wasn't like a full blown trailer where they give even more story. Okay. So, um, but I definitely want to see it. Yeah. That's would, for sure. I would agree with that. Yeah. I'm curious to see how they pull it off. I mean, just, I mean, I'd say just the premise alone is like very like, oh, wow. Yeah. You don't see this every day. And mm-hmm. Robert Forster, I believe, actually plays Jim Cummings' father in the movie, and he's also a cop. I don't, he might even be, like, the chief of police. And he looks perfect in the role. Like, even a role like that is mm-hmm. a great fit for him. So I'm hoping, and it looks like it'll be a really nice send-off performance. Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and everyone in the movie uh, looks really good. So I think it's coming out October 9th. I don't know if it's going to have any kind of theatrical run or if it's going to be purely... Uh, like a rental VOD, but uh, yeah, either way, I'm very curious about it. And yeah, be, yeah, both. I guess since we're it. talking about it, when when it does come out, mm-hmm. you know, we're obviously going to watch it. And I, I guess we could do a review. That's true. Actually, yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah, we totally should. And especially because it is a more independent film. So mm-hmm. at least to most of you listening, you might not have even at all been aware of it, you know? Yeah, it's really easy for a movie like this to go under the radar yeah. for a lot of people. Because I think it's being released through Orion Pictures, but I think the film itself was like made, I think, really on their own. I think they did all the financing mm-hmm. and all, you know, a very independently made movie. So it's just cool to see mm-hmm. more stuff like that out there. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, we're going to be moving into a couple Star Wars related stories. Um, so this first one is about Star Wars The High Republic, which is like a big new kind of multimedia project that was announced a little while back that they're doing at Lucasfilm. Mm -hmm. Like supposedly it's going to span books and comics. Wasn't it called like project luminous? I think so. Or is that something else? No, I do. I do think actually, if I'm not mistaken, it is the same thing or they're linked. Okay. Cause the whole point is, yeah, it's like, it's going to take place during the high Republic time. So at least according to this story, I think about 200 years before the events of the Skywalker saga. So at least before like the prequel era. Okay. And so it's going to like, yeah, expand across even I think TV shows, movies and video games. Hmm. Um, And then even like words that we've gotten about the supposed next um, star Wars trilogy, like the new official trilogy of films. I have, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's somehow tied in with this or yeah, at least loosely related. Mm -hmm. And so, well, cause the word, um, I don't know if it's official news or mm-hmm. just a rumor, but, you know, kind of the word is that the next uh, trilogy was going to be the Old Republic mm-hmm. long before the, the prequels. Exactly. So I would assume that this all is going to be tied in together. Yeah, that would make the most sense. I'd be surprised if. Yeah. So they're, it sounds like they're probably going to do. Yeah, the trilogy is going to be the Old Republic and then this um is gonna be like you said spread across um like comic books and video games mm-hmm. and maybe even tv shows so they're trying to exactly it sounds a lot like they're they're really trying to uh create their own uh like the like marvel create their exactly. own cinematic universe yeah. and they've done a little bit mm-hmm. so far but this seems like they're really trying to Take big steps in that direction. Exactly. Or bigger and, steps, I should and say. And even from a certain other sources and stories I've heard is like supposedly they actually have like 
the next 10 years worth planned of just, I think, TV shows on Disney Plus, which is huh. interesting. So clearly, yeah, that is. they're trying to like revitalize and regage it for this. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is all launching with a novel called Star Wars Light of the Jedi. And it's written by one of, I think, the at least the recent uh, Star Wars Marvel comic writers named Charles Soule. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And so uh, he, I think, just did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. And so when they were asking him like his idea of what this book's going to be like, what he wanted to do with the story. He had said, quote, my personal mandate for light of the Jedi was to explore the genre in a way we hadn't directly seen in the franchise to bring the concepts of star Wars to places that would feel fresh and cool. And then he says, it's a disaster movie. It's a mystery. It's a race against time team on a mission story. So it's a very interesting kind of, I mean, that's obviously very vague. We don't know. I don't know what the plot details are, and I don't know if mm-hmm. they've shared more. But I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm curious to s- at least see what you think of kind of a tonal combination like that for this Star Wars story. I'm not... Honestly, that can mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a non-answer in a way. Because I, yeah. you could... When you say, like, a, a disaster movie or a... Mm-hmm. Uh, or a team coming together. I mean, you could use that to sum up any pre-existing Star Wars film. Hmm. If you think about it. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I guess the, even the first words, like, it's a disaster movie. I was like, wait, in Star Wars. <laughs> but I mean, I guess I could see... Like, in the most vague sense, you could apply it to any other Star Wars movie. That's true, if you actually. think about it. I guess it does kind of, yeah. So, I, you know, it... Before, like, movies or, I guess, any big project, mm-hmm. it's not unusual to have someone come out and and make a, some very vague but simultaneously exaggerated statements yeah. that don't really reflect and because it's what like, the final product is, if I'm being yeah. totally honest. So, I, I, I don't really know how seriously you can take that. No. It's true, and because he's technically, he's describing, at least, his book, Light of the Jedi, so it's not referring to one of the series or anything else specifically, but it actually does look, but it sounds like this is really good. This book's supposed to be like the launching off point and the scale, supposedly this whole project is like wild and huge and super epic. So mm-hmm. uh, it looks like he actually goes on to describe the villains in the series who are called the Nihil. It's N I H I L. I think Nihil is how you pronounce it. And he describes them as a group of anarchic, uh, anarchic marauders with some unique abilities uh, who, unlike many Star Wars villains uh, that have been around before, don't have a loyalty to an ideology or code, except perhaps to do whatever they want when they want and to destroy anyone that uh, gets in the way or opposes the goal. And then he says that the villains in the story have a deep and detailed history that will be explored throughout uh, the rest of the narrative, I guess, that they're going to spread across so okay i mean that sounds interesting again a part of that sounds very vague but at least the idea of it being kind of this yeah anarchic group is could be interesting it could be really cool i mean i think the premise of it is really good yeah be and it's nice that they're doing something that's a little more original yeah because it's not just like oh you need another version of the empire yeah they're kind of they're it sounds like a completely different that's um, true um adversary mm-hmm so, I mean, the you know won't really know till it comes out, but the exactly. idea of it sounds good. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if this group, 
if like Sith are tied into it whatsoever, if that'll be hmm. a complete. I mean, I feel Maybe. like the, the Sith will have to be tied into this whole series in some way, especially mm-hmm. if it's like old Republic era. But yeah, I know. So we'll see. I'm. I mean, clearly, Light of the Jedi sounds like it could be really exciting, and it, at least just in terms of setting up what the next era Star Wars are entering into is. It could be really cool, and I do think it's at least I think a smart move overall. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's exceptions like shows like The Mandalorian to kind of move yeah. and set everything like well, pre- feels fresh. Yeah, it feels like it's something different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I appreciate the fact that they're trying something new. Exactly, mm-hmm. and instead of trying to like considering you know, again we'll have a, another episode about this. Considering no matter how you may feel about the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, it's clearly they Lucasfilm Disney's come to a place where they are trying to refigure out how to like mm-hmm. again bring really bring this to the size of an MCU. So I think mm-hmm. it's wise for them to like set at least the majority of the stuff before mm-hmm. you know yeah in the past because I think it helps take some pressure off and gives like you know like you said the story feels fresh. So I think it gives them more freedom. To just focus on telling original fresh stories and, mm-hmm. you know, not having to worry about how do we continue this afterwards, you know? Yeah, it's not directly related to, mm-hmm. um, like, the major characters and the major events of the, you know, of, like, the original trilogy. Yeah. And now, stuff. The, obviously, being a prequel, they may have some things that maybe have well, probably setups be, and connections. I was going to say, there'll probably be some little things, but it's not, mm-hmm. um, it's not as connected as... As like, um, you know, the sequel trilogy or the prequels and things like that. Exactly. Yeah, so. like it'll be a little freer. Like, oh, yeah, we can tease this, but we're not like, how? what do we do after this? How do we, yeah, you know, take it forward? Which mm-hmm. I'm sure, obviously, that time is going to come. But mm-hmm. I think for the next phase of Star Wars, I'm happy to hear that this is the area that they're focusing in on. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, Star Wars High Republic, we're going to see where they go with it. Mm-hmm. Now to move on to our other little Star Wars related story that just popped up is um to those of you that may not know uh one of the planned Disney Plus series is actually if it's kind of like a prequelish series uh a spin-off of Rogue One with the character of Cassian and I clearly no, no spoilers but this will take place before Rogue One so this is yeah going to explore his time before and uh I think originally uh, Tony Gilroy was set to, I think, direct the whole series, which is kind of an interesting direction instead of having multiple directors. Huh. Yeah, that is. Um, But it sounds like, uh, I'm not sure why, but he dropped out. And so they're actually bringing in Toby Haynes, who is a big director on Black Mirror and Doctor Who. And now it sounds like he's actually going to take over for the whole show. Hmm. Uh, And looking into details, I'm trying to see if it was just like a schedule thing. Um, let's see here. Uh, but actually, well, actually it sounds like from reading the story that due to like travel restrictions to COVID-19, supposedly this is why Tony Gilroy dropped out of directing the whole series. Um, cause I guess he lives in New York and it sounds like the filming is going to be in the UK. So Hmm. let's see. Uh, but it does go on to say though, it sounds like. Uh, so the, so Toby Haynes is going to direct the first three episodes of the series, but Gilroy is supposedly going to stay very much involved as the showrunner ex- and executive producer. So, so it actually sounds like it'll be a win-win for all of them involved. 
Um, yeah, but it's interesting seeing another update about the fact that, you know, we're going to get an Obi-Wan spinoff series on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. which I overall I'd say I'm really excited about. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of interesting they're choosing to do a Cassian series. It isn't. Honestly, it's kind of an odd choice. Mm-hmm. Because... At least kind of like in these initial run of series, you know, because yeah. they're just starting it up. So you would expect... Well, you'd think it would be one of two things. Either mm-hmm. it would be an entirely uh, new original character, like from scratch for the TV show. Mm-hmm. Or it would be a like legacy character or, or someone that were much more... That's much more iconic. Yeah. You know? Like Obi-Wan. Yeah, like they're doing exactly, the Obi-Wan yeah. show because, you know, mm-hmm. everyone knows Obi-Wan and everyone loves Obi-Wan. Yeah. So that makes sense. Totally. It's just a little weird that they would essentially do a spin-off show of a character from a spin-off movie. Yeah. Who's only in one movie and who's a good character, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I like um Cassian, mm-hmm. both the character and uh I think Diego, Diego, Diego Luna, Luna, who plays him, does a really good job. Yep. So it's it's nothing against uh, Diego Luna or Cassian as a character, because mm-hmm. I like them both. Yeah. It's just that it just seems like a weird decision to launch an entire new series mm-hmm. just around him. Yeah. I don't like, know. there is some intrigue. Like, obviously, even in the movie of Rogue One, he alludes to his past and everything he's gone through for the, yeah. the Alliance. Yeah. Now, who knows? It could turn out to be like the, st- the series we wouldn't have expected off the bat. And it could turn out like, oh, wow, this is it's, super brilliant. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But we'll, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. I also feel like they're going to be really limited in what they do because mm-hmm. we know how like his journey ends. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. we, you know, because of what happens mm-hmm. in, um, in in Rogue, Rogue One. Yeah. Like, we know how that ends, and, you know, he doesn't get introduced to, like, like, he doesn't seem to be, like, familiar. I don't want to spoil Rogue One. Can I? It depends. Um, What am I allowed to say? That's a good question. <laughs> because I don't, if people haven't seen Rogue One, this might be uh, spoiler material. Yeah. Uh, I'm. We'll just... Give a quick spoiler warning, we'll say safely for the next minute. So I mean, he, it came out like a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, so you if, know what? <laughs> if, so skip over the next minute or two if you don't want Rogue One spoiled, but we're yeah. going to just uh, dive in really quick here. Yeah, you've been So Luke warned. can finish his point. Um, so in Rogue One, it doesn't... Maybe I might be wrong here, mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem to have had any encounter with like the Force at all. Yeah. With like Jedi mm-hmm. or Sith prior to Rogue One. He doesn't seem to have like any just familiarity with it. Yeah, at least no firsthand. So that limits what they can do in the series. Hmm. If they try to introduce Jedi or Sith, that will kind of create issues. And that's true. Also, as far as like stakes go, like Mm -hmm. what he can do, like the biggest, the whole like uh, finale of Rogue One is the fact Mm -hmm. that they're getting the plans for like the the Death Death Star, Star, which is other than, I guess, attacking the Death Star yeah. and a New Hope, that's, like, as big as it gets. That's true, yeah. And so mm-hmm. then, as far as stakes go for the series, they're also going to be kind of limited just in the sense that they can't do anything that, like, gets too close to that. I don't know. It yeah. just seems like... that's Like I said, yeah. it, it just seems like a weird story to or character to choose for 
their own series. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I I mean I, I I'm just I'm I would a little say kind of have to agree. With that. I can't really disagree with that. No, well, and because I'm thinking about again, his character in the movie alludes to all the things he's had to do, kind of all the dark things he's had to do. So yeah. the two things I'm thinking about is the series is just going to focus on his upbringing of becoming a spy and almost sounds like kind of an assassin as well, which is could be interesting. But again, it's not going to necessarily, at least we'll have to see the same stakes as the plans to the Death Star. And then, you know, because he kind of alludes to his dark past, being a Disney Plus show, I'm curious how dark they're willing to go. Since it almost, you know, mm-hmm. that's what he sets up in the movie. And if they're going to explore that backstory, then to mm-hmm. some degree, they're going to have to show and explore that. Um, so I, I I, don't know. I mean, maybe they'll, it'll work. Maybe they'll ha- meet kind of a certain line of how dark they go and don't go past it. I mean, you know, I guess a show like The Mandalorian, you know, the, a show like The Mandalorian has some, vi- you know, PG-13 violence and stuff. But it is never like super like dark or anything. I don't know. It's, I, I guess, I guess it kind of relates back to what you're bringing up of the whole point of approaching the series, at least now, like my biggest thing is just like, where can that story go? Mm-hmm. Like what's going to happen. That's going to be so intriguing. Yeah. Like I just don't, outside I just of like exploring it, his character, like why he became the way he did, yeah. which again, it, it could be well done, but it's not necessarily warrants an entire series. Yeah. It almost just seems like for a character like his, I don't know, it would have made more sense to like have some other series that took place in that time mm-hmm. and, and have like of, a cameo of his yeah, or something. Yeah, maybe he's in a few episodes or something like but that. But a whole show based around him as the main character, just, yeah, I just don't know like how much they can really do that's going to feel really interesting or as high, like has sorry, have as high of stakes as like mm-hmm. other yeah. other Star Wars stories out there. No. Yeah, I would say I agree with that. So, well, and again, considering with the year we've been in the delays, like we've already had the Obi-Wan series delayed. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess maybe there is even the slight chance. I wonder if a show like this would get delayed more, possibly get kind of the chopping block. I, I mean, I don't know, though. It, it could some, be because yeah. everything's up in the air right now. That's true. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so for the casting series, it's kind of an odd choice in terms of a first show and where they could go with it. But I'm totally open, though, could somehow be proved wrong and it could still be a really yeah, engaging I mean, series. It, it still could be a really well-made series. Yeah. That's completely possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, before we move on to our review of Tenet, a kind of an interesting story that popped up recently and has been kind of a topic of discussion I've seen online is... Uh, between Mulan and ironically what we're the movie we're about to talk about Tenet and we kind of talked about this last week with kind of how they were doing box office wise with Tenet I'd say doing pretty well for the circumstances internationally and uh, Mulan and Mulan kind of struggling for theatrical box office in China or at least lower than expected and so uh, we've been waiting on the numbers because Mulan you know came out for paid video on demand through Disney Plus and I've been curious as to what the actual like gross amount is that Disney has made from it. So now keep in mind, this is based off of, uh, I forgot the exact source, but I've seen this across multiple sites and stories of kind of taking estimates into consideration. So we actually haven't gotten an officially released number from Disney. 
about how much box office they've made with Mulan mm-hmm. through the Disney Plus release. All we have is a quote of them saying that so far they've been very pleased with the numbers. So it sounds like, mm-hmm. you know, they're happy with it okay. to what extent. Um, but anyways, so from the estimates made of how much Mulan has made off of Disney Plus, again, we have to take this with a semi-grain of salt. Supposedly, it's made more, uh, in the at least from the U.S. on Disney Plus, than Tenet's total box office. And so a lot of people are pointing to this and going like, oh, you know, Mulan's doing so much better. Studios are just going to purely move to this. Like, Tenet's really struggling. And it's kind of, at least for me, it's kind of bothered me because I don't think that's a fair comparison to make. And really what it comes from is it's not an equal foot race. You know, we're living in an unprecedented time, especially with the release of movies right now. And one film, Tenet, has been committed to just only coming out theatrically. And so obviously over in in Europe and internationally, there's more theaters open. And here in the U.S., a good amount have started to reopen, but, you know, major markets are still closed down. And even then, theaters that are open are only at 30% capacity. So it's like a theater mm-hmm. isn't necessarily selling out all their shows in terms of what they could actually house. Mm-hmm. So you have that end, and then you have something like Mulan, where they're doing a theatrical release, at least in China. I'm not sure if they're doing a theatrical release in other parts of Europe. And then here in the U.S., they're like, oh, yeah, uh, anyone can watch it on Disney Plus for $30. So they're two completely different strategies, you know? Yeah. So obviously it sounds like so far this VOD release for Mulan has worked out. But again, they're two different forms of releasing during a really strange time. So I think it's kind of unfair to go, oh, Mulan's doing better. So it means that this is the better way for the future. Because again, say if both movies were like fully released in theaters and kind of set up under the same parameters and Mulan was making more, it'd be a different story. But Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of unfair to hold that against Tenet considering the circumstances and the path they've chosen. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Um, I mean, I feel pretty much the exact same way. Yeah. I don't think right now you can make any sort of long-term prediction Mm -mm. on like, just based off how things are right now that somehow movie theaters are going to be like obsolete in a few years, Yeah, which is what, some people seem to be alluding to and i just don't i don't think that's gonna happen no i think a lot of people are sick of (laughs) being at home and actually would want to get to the movie theaters but they just aren't necessarily able to depending on where they live totally and and time will tell yeah well and again with mulan well both movies with mulan the only way you can watch it here is if you pay the 30 Mm dollars if it was even one of those situations where Either you can pay the $30 at home or it's also coming out to theaters. I do think the numbers would be split to some degree. Obviously, people are going to want to watch it at home, but I still think there's a good amount of people who will be like, oh, I want to go watch that in a theater, you know? Yeah. And and I understand the point people are making of, you know, the difference is Disney being able to release it through Disney Plus. They're able to keep 100% of the profits as opposed to having to split it through, you know, theatrical channels mm-hmm. through theaters. Um, I, while they are, I think going to be pleased, I still don't think the movie's going to make as much 
as it could have if it had done a full theatrical run, you know? Yeah. Because clearly they were hoping to release it fully worldwide and probably, in you know, similar to the other Disney live action films, that it was going to make like a billion dollars across the whole world, you know? Mm-hmm. At least somewhere closer to there. And so again, they have to split that money with the theaters, but it still was going to be more than, I would say, even the amount they're making now, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, unless they're proven wrong with the numbers in if they decide to release them. But yeah. And so I'd say, again, a movie like Tenet, considering the circumstances, considering still all the lockdowns and even limitations uh-huh. on theaters, mm-hmm. I would say it's actually doing well for the circumstances. And, yeah, you know, like you said, it's unfair to be like, oh, it's not doing as well, you know. But the truth is it has still all these, you know. How much money has Tenant made? It's made. I'm looking. I'll look at the exact number right now. It's at least worldwide. It's made over. I think two hundred some million back. So and and the majority of that made internationally. So <clears throat> so after a month of being in yeah theatrical release slowly coming out in the U S. It's made over two hundred and fifty one million. So I still again. I think that's pretty dang good mm-hmm. considering still all the lockdown and challenge, you know? Yeah. That's keeping in mind that a lot of movie theaters are not open at all. Especially in New one- York and LA, which are huge. Yeah. And then the ones that are, mm-hmm. are at a limited capacity. Exactly. So theaters are not selling out at the moment. Yeah. So it's just a matter until things open up back to being more normal ish. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously... Because if, yeah. if a movie like Ten is doing that well under these conditions, mm-hmm. that's actually a, that's actually a decently good sign. I would say so. Like, if it's doing that well with how weird and limited things are right now, yeah, that's actually kind of a good sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. You know, and obviously, again, the, the landscape and market is changing, even in terms of VOD. I do think it's going to become a more common thing, but I still believe for studios to maximize it the most it can be and to make the most money they can from movies. Yeah. I still think they need theaters and even combining video on demand releases and theatrical runs, you know, uh-huh. cause there was even a change talked about. I think it was a deal AMC had reached with universal. Uh, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly talking about even just shortening the window, a movie has to be out before it goes to video on demand from like, instead of it being like 90 days, to like three weeks. Hmm. And so again, I still think things like that make more sense. And I agree with you. Once things open back up way more and more Mm -hmm. people feel safe to go back out. Yeah. I think people are going to really be wanting to go back to the theaters. Yeah. And especially in terms of studios being able to make big blockbusters with big budgets. Mm -hmm. I don't think they will be able to do that if they switch to a purely only online model for releasing films because i just don't think the money's there and even then it seems like oh now i pay 30 bucks once and that's Mm -hmm. it i can watch the movie as many times as i want for the market to move completely to digital only i do think we would start to see those prices and even the terms of that change Mm -hmm. you know because they would be like wait they only pay 30 dollars and they watch it once Mm -hmm. well maybe now they're going to pay 30 dollars and they only have it for 24 to 48 hours you know yeah so again we're still in a strange, unprecedented time, and I think it's tough to make these judgments and determinations, mm-hmm. considering the circumstances we're still 
under, you know? Yeah. Because it really has just purely come out of lockdown and this pandemic. So, yeah. Yeah. So we will give a big kudos to Tenet for, yeah, like you said, I think it's decently positive news that they've made this much money internationally, Mm -hmm. given the circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of a good segue because the movie we are going to review today (laughs) is Christopher Nolan's latest film, which is Tenet. Now, we're going to keep this spoiler free because to most of you listening, I'm guessing you haven't seen it yet. Unless the theater's been open nearby. And um, I'm going to read the IMDb synopsis. <laughs> because d- right off the bat, disclaimer. Uh, to those of you who thought Inception was a very kind of like crazy, confusing film. Or like, how do you understand it? Mm-hmm. It is a cakewalk compared to Tenet, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. In terms of the complex ideas and themes at play and and how the story yeah. connects you're like yeah 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 if you had a hard time following inception uh good luck <laughs> buckle up i don't mean to be negative it's just it's just all, yeah it's just way yeah no it's a different yeah. it's a different ride now I, I should clarify i'm not saying that as a negative no it's just purely just a state of fact of you know that's you know, not a bad thing i'm just no it's just uh and kind of what you're expecting hoping you for with up. the film you're like oh it seems like the movie's gonna get kind of crazy well it certainly delivers on yeah the complex so this is the official synopsis because it's probably the simplest way to try and break it down so it says armed with only one word tenet and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist's journey, journey or a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. So even that you're like, mm-hmm. okay, that could mean a lot. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I know it's a part of why we waited on reviewing this. But I think the way we're going to view it is, you know. To keep it simple for us, making this the spoiler-free review, because like we talked about before, the movie is very complex in its ideas. And mm-hmm. so for myself, I feel like I do want to go watch it a second time to yeah. fully put all the, at least put more of the pieces together yeah. before I have a concrete enough understanding of a spoiler review, uh-huh. you know, and without just repeating other reviews I've heard. So yeah, it seems like you agree yes. with that as well. Um. But, I mean, I'll say right off the bat, I very much enjoyed this film. I very much enjoyed Tenet. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny because the movie is, it's right at two and a half hours. But once this movie starts, it just does not let up. In terms of the energy, the pacing of Mm -hmm. things going on, it really is a two and a half hours of, like, once the car starts, you're going. Like, there's no real slowing down there's no real like taking mm-hmm. time to explore like parts of characters lives it really is just like it, it's exciting but it almost leaves you a little tired afterwards because you're like oh wow mm-hmm. i was just kind of going full on for two and a half hours yeah it's um it's yeah it's funny because for a movie that long mm-hmm. normally like a movie around that time length takes a lot more time yeah it's methodical and mm-hmm. patient but it's funny because it's Two and a half hours, but it's paced like a 90-minute film. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I would I would agree completely. <laughs> Where it just, it moves really, really fast. Which is kind of crazy, because again, the complex ideas at play, and even just things they're doing visually, it's kind of amazing it was paced out 
in a in a two and a half hour runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is obviously directed by Christopher Nolan, and he wrote the script himself. And I even heard and read that I guess it took him like five years to crack the script, <laughs> which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of. Again, I'm we're being somewhat vague because I, I don't want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard to not. It's kind of hard to uh, talk about the story itself yeah. without without accidentally spoiling it. Mm-hmm. To me, this is almost kind of coming to me now. Tell me if this is accurate, Luke. This is very much Christopher Nolan taking his love for James Bond, his love for the James Bond films, international mm-hmm. espionage, and then combining it. With the action and, and thriller aspects of an Inception. Mm-hmm. And then throwing in at least the pursuit of these higher-minded, complex ideas in, say, like an Interstellar. Yeah. It is almost kind of like a combination of all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things I enjoyed about this film. Because there's some people, I think, that have accused the film of not going deep enough with the care with like the main character and, and certain other people and and in some ways at least to mm-hmm. them feeling more bare bones but yeah considering that this was his almost to me his biggest love letter to the james bond films even though it's a christopher nolan style version with crazy complex things thrown in there yeah. it very much felt like it harkened back to the that series and genre of films so for me uh-huh. it didn't bother me that the story kind of has a bit of a breakneck pace and we're just going with the characters. We're not necessarily slowing down like a once upon a time in Hollywood to know every kind of nook yeah. and detail of their life. Like for mm-hmm. me, it made sense and it worked. Yeah. Because I think if you look at a lot of films actually kind of in like the spy-fi genre, mm-hmm. um, you don't actually always get to know a whole lot about the, like the main protagonist yeah. or the main characters necessarily. Mm-hmm. You sort of just like learn about them as seeing them deal with these situations that they're in. You don't really actually mm-hmm. get a whole lot of depth into them necessarily. No. And I mean, I think it's, I, I think that was intentional. Yeah. That's, I don't yeah. think it was like a matter of like sloppy writing. No. Which is, seems to be how some people are sort of implying it, it was. I think mm-hmm. it was deliberate. I, yeah, I think was it was thing. just really focused on. Totally the the situation yeah and like everything that's going on and more so you more so get to know about the characters as you see them like dealing with the obstacles and mm-hmm. bizarre nature of things in yeah. front of them instead of them just like explaining what happened to them in their childhood yeah. and like explaining like mm-hmm. which i know. love that i love i love those films but i agree with you that's that's why it stuck out to me like when i watched the movie to me, it was very clear, this is the exact movie he wanted to make. Yeah. These were very deliberate choices. It wasn't like, oh, he tried that. Because again, without going into another review, to me, a movie like Interstellar is a movie I actually think has kind of the most, some of the most Nolan issues, while there are great things in that movie where I'm like, oh, I see what he was going for, but he just missed and didn't quite hit the mark. Uh-huh. Or when I was watching Tenet, I was like, nope, this is exactly what he was trying to go for, and he doesn't. Yeah. Whether you agree with that or not, or you could just say, well, I'm not into that. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's your opinion. But I, at least for me, I enjoyed it and, and completely got it. Yeah. And the movie, I, w- I would say the same. The movie didn't need necessarily all of this mm-hmm. slowdown. The characters are very, ob- it's very objective minded. 
And that's where the stakes come from and the characterization that we do get, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, in the movie, I'd say uh, Elizabeth Debicki's character does kind of get the most kind of character backstory and we explore a bit yeah. without getting into spoilers. So th- there is a, a fit, you know, some of that in the film and, yeah. you know, very much kind of uh, an emotional kind of pull. But, um, but even with that said, like, uh, especially because the cast and performances to me are great, like it makes the movie work. Yeah. So like John David Washington as the protagonist, like mm-hmm. he's great in the movie, yeah. you know, he kind of, he, to me, he communicates enough about the character to where, uh, I get it. Yeah. And then even, uh, Robert Pattinson is also in the movie and he's mm-hmm. just, he's just really fun in the film. He is. Yeah. He, it's funny. <laughs> well, even though it is very like action oriented and going like mm-hmm. he, he, his character gets to have a little bit of a sly kind of humor and kind of witty way about him. Yeah. That was, it was just fun to watch Robert Pattinson in a role like that. Yeah. You know? He's a little bit more like, uh, a little bit more like charismatic yeah. and personable. It's almost like, I, I just thought of this now. Well, it's kind of like a Bond film. Yeah. Like John David Washington is almost more of like a craggy kind yeah, of Bond. He's like the more serious, like mm-hmm. tough, just like focused on yeah. the, the task at hand. Exactly. Like a, like a Daniel Craig sort mm-hmm. of Bond. And then Robert Pattinson is almost like a slight Roger Moore. Exactly. Where he's very like charming and go with the flow. Yes. Still involved funny. with the action, but it's just, yeah. yeah, two very different ends of the spectrum, which I'd be curious if that was intentional on Nolan's part, but that's kind of, yeah, what it comes off. Mm-hmm. I said to both of us, like, yeah, which I thought was really cool. And then, um, who else? Oh my, why? This is a really weird order on the IMDb, but, um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Kenneth Branagh, his yeah. name is keeping my mind. Mm-hmm. He plays kind of the the Russian villain in the movie, and I thought he did a pretty good job as well. Yeah, um, he was really good. And it's funny too because he was also in Dunkirk, so the past two Nolan films. Oh yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and needless to say, uh, I mean, the cinematography in the movie is gorgeous. Yeah, I would say for sure. And then in terms of just. And, and this isn't necessarily spoilers because you do see this in the trailer. Mm-hmm. The ways they visually play with time and all. Here, the thing is, when you're watching a movie like this, uh, because of who Nolan is as a filmmaker and kind of the purity of what he wants to achieve visually, you know that what you're watching is either no or the most minimal CGI possible. Yeah. So what they were able to pull off in camera in this film for just all. I mean, just the action itself. I thought the. This is one of Nolan's best, like, <laughs> examples of just action in general. I thought he really pulled it off in this movie. Yeah. And it's multiple things. It's hand-to-hand fight choreography, guns, uh, the car chase, all everything in between. It was, like, it was really well done. But then, yeah. because they're combining it with, like, this time reversal stuff that sounds very simple, but the way it comes off in this movie is just incredible. And because there's certain fight scenes... And this is not a spoiler because this is in one of the promo videos they released mm-hmm. behind the scenes. But certain moments in fight scenes where they're having to both learn the just normal choreography in a forward time. Uh-huh. Then having to learn choreography, fight choreography yeah, like in, in reverse. reverse time. Which is just that alone is like crazy. Like how do you even do that and to make it look convincing? I think you it know. just takes a crap ton of time. <laughs> yeah. And so there's certain scenes in this movie where you get to see that at play. And I was just like, I was just kind of stunned. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it's the stunts that they do. Yeah. Um, 
honestly, they're just kind of redonkulous. Redonkulous. They're just redonkulous. And then, because, yeah. <laughs> and especially like the car chase, I don't yeah. know how. There's some stuff where I don't know, you know how it, It's it a little confusing at times just watching it, yeah. so I can only imagine planning it. Yeah, <laughs> and what filming. that was like. Yeah, yeah, and filming, and executing it, and, it. And there's some actually scenes doing it too that you see in the trailer where it's just like certain set or landscape themes they're doing with combining reverse time and forward time, and it's uh-huh. just like it's just incredible because yeah. they pulled at least the majority of it off purely in camera, no visual effects, and I. Yeah. This is a film I would love, as soon as it comes out on 4K Blu-ray, I'd love to watch the behind the scenes uh-huh. and figure out, like, how do they do this? Tenant is a film that, whether you like it or not, it really is one of a kind. It is. Completely. Because they just, I mean, they just do crap that, like, no one else has ever done. It's Yeah, <laughs> completely. That's, like, yeah. just the, just what they do in that film is just ridiculous. It is just ridiculous. <laughs> And so, yeah, because there was talk a while back, too, of, like, I think interview kind of interviews with John David Washington saying, like, oh, yeah, what he pulled off in this movie is going to change, like, the future, kind of how movies are made mm-hmm. for the future, the, the next 10 years. And it kind of almost sounded like an overstatement. But in terms of just, again, what they pulled off in camera with all the time stuff, I would say that's certainly not an understatement because I've never seen stuff like this pulled off before. And it is yeah. incredibly, especially, again, in the theater, which to me, it makes sense why... A movie like this to only come out at home, while it is great to watch at home. You really want to see it in theaters. This is the kind of movie where yes. you really want to see it in a movie theater. Yeah, especially at a, a theater like the Alamo Drafthouse where the picture and sound is is maintained uh-huh. top quality. Like, it was visually incredible. And, and needless to say, which he often gets made fun of for his sound, but the sound of this movie is like, you feel What's it a the good whole thing? Ride. It's yeah. overwhelming, but in mm-hmm. the right kind of way. Because that's another thing this movie's been accused of is... Like, almost his love for, like, low end and bass becoming too overpowered in this movie in times where people didn't fully... There are some parts where it's tougher to understand, like, what's going on in the dialogue. But I don't know. For me, it wasn't an issue. And for me, it seems just intentional. It just made sense. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just in the minority here. Um, My personal opinion? Um... If you think it's getting in the way of what's going on, mm-hmm. you just need to pay better attention <laughs> because that low sounding bass, that vibration mm-hmm. creates a sense of awe. And yeah. that, I think that was exactly what Christopher Nolan wanted. And so it just, it makes you submerged so much even more into what's happening. I mm-hmm. thought it was just awesome. Yeah. For me, it worked in the movie. I don't really think that's an issue. Like with no. all due respect, if, if you find it distracting or something, like, get over yourself. <laughs> like, well, seriously, yeah. like, you're you're making nothing into something. Inter- yeah. That's what I think of that complaint. I don't think it's really no. a legitimate critique. I mean, there's certainly films that could take tools like that and overuse them and it just doesn't work. But for me, the application in a Nolan film like this does work. I think it may- if you watch the movie, mm-hmm. it makes sense with what's going yeah. on. You know, exactly. it makes sense with what this movie is. Yeah, because even if, okay, they re-level, you know, remixed the sound. So it wasn't as overpowering. Like, this is also a film that is by design meant to be watched multiple times through. Like, I don't think you could, well, maybe there's a rare person out there, but it clearly is not a film that's meant to be watched once you understand it all and you're done. Like, I do think it's a film that will very much reward multiple viewings. 
for both your enjoyment of it and even just for all the things at play. So it's like even if you could hear every bit of dialogue, like, well, I mean, you hear it all, but you still need to watch it multiple times through to soak it all in. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, for me, the sound, yeah, I, I didn't, again, it was awe-inspiring. And that combined with the image at play was like pretty incredible. Yeah. I'd say. So mm-hmm. I know maybe compared to others out there, we're probably, we're falling into the minority camp of defending all these aspects of the film. But, you know, yeah, I thought it was well done. I thought all those things were very strong. In well, the, the sound thing, I, I really just don't think is, unless you're hard of hearing, I really mm-hmm. don't think it's much of a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, just get over yourself. <laughs> you know? Some tough justice from Luke. I just don't really think it's a problem. Yeah. I just feel I, like I you're reading, and I feel like you're just making no. something out of nothing. Yeah, I in feel that like regard. It's kind of a... Sorry, I'm chewing on some ice chairs I finished my coffee. <laughs> I do think that's just a very kind of nitpicking note. That's what it feels like. It just yeah. feels like it's somebody just looking for something. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not saying all complaints about the movie, but I'm saying that one specifically. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. But yeah, so uh, again, without getting into spoilers and taking everything, like I really enjoy Tenet. Like I thought overall mm-hmm. it was a well done, strong Nolan movie. Yeah. I'm not... I haven't fully decided where to me it ranks on the list of all of Nolan's films. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't fully know till I really watch it a second time, but yeah, I would have to see it again. And mm-hmm. also we, you know, because this is meant to be, uh, or this is a spoiler free review. Mm-hmm. We can't really say too much about the story. Yeah. Unfortunately. Exactly. So it really is what, again, describing the IMDb synopsis and, we're following John David Washington's journey throughout the film. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would at least, at least again, after a first viewing, I would say it ranks pretty well as a Nolan film for sure. Like for me, I would rank it above movies like Interstellar, at least for me personally, uh-huh. in terms of, but I mean, maybe that'll change after a second viewing, but mm-hmm. that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, do we give <laughs> this movie a full, like a score yet out of five? Um, or do we wait after second viewing? I, I know it kind of, it does. It almost makes it sound like we're not sure how much we enjoyed the movie. I mean, we at least I very much enjoyed it. It's just again the complex ideas, especially in the story. Like, I I I feel like I would just want to understand it better. Yeah, you know? I don't know if I can confidently give it a, a specific rating, mm-hmm. but I would definitely recommend it though. Yeah. Maybe that's a good route to take, um, for sure. And I would I, very much recommend yeah, it. Yeah, as I said it before, this is a movie where, you know, whether you, how, you know, how much you love it or not after mm-hmm. seeing it, it really is one of a kind. Yeah. And they pull off so many amazing things that, uh, practically and visually, mm-hmm. um, that just for that reason alone, it's really worth seeing. Yeah. And if you're able to, if the, you know, theaters open nearby you, it is very much worth watching in the theater and I yeah think it, the movie itself warrants that kind of experience yeah yeah so. for sure if you have the option to see it in theater that's definitely i think more better suited for for a movie like this exactly mm-hmm. so yeah no i very much would recommend tenant i really enjoyed it i i do think it is one of nolan's stronger films and obviously after a second viewing with a spoiler free review we can get into it more and give it like a definitive kind of rating and even kind of ranking amongst his filmography but 
Yeah. It's it's worth seeing without question. And I'm very much looking forward to a second viewing of it. So, Mr. Nolan, uh, kudos and a job well done to your latest film <laughs> for the whole world to see. I'm Christopher Nolan. <laughs> I make high cerebral art films mixed with high octane blockbuster. <laughs> I make I make these films because I make them better than other people. Because I'm Christopher Nolan. I gave you the Dark Knight. I gave you the Prestige. I gave you Dunkirk. Because it's if we say Dunkirk, they're like Dunkirk. Dunkirk, which is a brilliant film. It is a brilliant movie. I'm, not, I really am. I'm not mocking him, but this is just my this is my tribute to Christopher Nolan. Where you're seeing it as a fan. I'm saying it as a fan. <laughs> I made Inception. I made you question dreams. I made you question the nature of dreams. I made you question your dreams. I made the Batman trilogy. Made you question what a superhero film could be. And none of the Batman or superhero films since have measured up to what I did. Just in the Dark Knight alone. So that's what I've given the world. Because I'm Christopher Nolan. But actually, whether you love all of his films or not, Mm -hmm. you did bring up a a pattern there. Is that... He's someone who he knows how to freaking do things out of the box. Yeah. That's you know? a great, great insight. Like, he knows how to take things in a new and unexplored direction. It's so true. And that I guess that's what I was trying to say is, even if you watch Tenet and you don't, you know, you may, you may not necessarily love everything about it, mm-hmm. But it like I I really really mean this. It is worth seeing nonetheless. Yeah. Just because it's so impressively made. Exactly. Even if you know you don't love everything about the story or yeah. you're bothered by the sound. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I just think it's such a stupid complaint. The story one is yeah. different. The story one, I still kind of disagree with, but there's mm-hmm. more merit to that. Yeah. The sound one, I really just think people like just give just. Stop it. You're being silly. You're being silly. Some silly sauce. Yeah. Silly sauce. It's kind of like, it's just, I'm not saying people are dumb, but it's a dumb (laughs) complaint. No, no. Like, I'm not saying if you feel that way, I'm not trying to insult anyone, but it's kind of a dumb complaint. Uh, The sound one. Not talking about the story thing, just the sound complaint. Yeah. Unless you have hearing issues, then that's different. But unless you, if you don't have hearing issues... Give it up. Luke's officially going to start his yeah. campaign. Um, <laughs> hashtag Nolan sound is fine. No, it'll be hashtag up the bass. If anything, <laughs> if anything, make the bass louder. Up the bass. Up the bass. Yeah. Luke's like, I want more. Yeah, I want more bass. More, more like, bass. Uh, what was the famous SNL sketch with Christopher Walken? Oh, yeah. More cowbell. Yeah, more cowbell. More bass. I want more bass. I want more bass. I got, <laughs> I got a fever, and the only <laughs> cure is more bass. <laughs> Right now, Mr. Nolan, I'll do it for you, Luke, because you're a loyal fan. I'll turn the bass up more, because I'm Christopher Nolan. Hashtag up the bass. Hashtag up the bass. I'm taking bass. I'm taking cinema's bass to the next level, a level you haven't seen before, because I'm Christopher Nolan. Every film I make. That is next movie. Everyone who goes and see it in, like, IMAX is going to leave deaf. It's dangerous, too, because it's about a strange, like, League of Assassins who all play bass. It's going to be a, a strange combination and it's going to, it might break speakers in theaters. Yeah, everyone will just leave that movie with a, like, a hearing disability. 
it's, it's just, gonna be horrible. It's just a lot of <laughs> yeah, just the whole movie. <laughs> and now here we are joking about taking it to the extreme, yeah. but it's fine. Yeah. But no, it, it, now kind of finishing your point, I actually do like that is why Nolan is one of my all-time favorite filmmakers because whether you love him or hate him, whether you're into his films or not, or it varies, he's someone who is constantly trying to make films that innovate and that really are trying to marry high art and blockbuster films. And is one of the handful of filmmakers out there who is constantly trying to do that and push things forward. So uh-huh. I'm grateful for, and again, I'm someone who really overall, I, I really love and enjoy his films, but I'm grateful yeah. for filmmakers like that mm-hmm. who are out there because they are a part of <clears throat> pushing the medium forward, keeping the art form alive. And at least yeah. because of his, um, and they're trying different things. Yeah. Are trying to like do things that mm-hmm. no one's ever done before. Exactly. You know, and and in doing so, actively trying to keep the theatrical experience alive, which is yeah. important. So, yeah. So just for that alone, we should all all be grateful for Christopher Nolan because ha- I'm doing these things for you. Hashtag up the base <laughs> to my uh, loyal uh, fan <laughs> and uh, cinema enjoyer Luke Ferris. For the next mo- for his next film, when you go to the theaters, they'll have to hand out hearing aids to oh, everyone gosh. leaving the theater. Oh, no. <laughs> It'll be this is see this is the dark downside of these critiques because it's sending Luke down this path of trying to manifest this uh, ridiculous up the base. Oh gosh, <laughs> Christopher Nolan, your base is is fine. We can we can keep it where it is. Um, no need to up the base. My base is perfect. I'm Christopher Nolan. <laughs> So that is our spoiler-free review of Tenet. So as soon as we have a chance to go watch it again, get a more concrete ideas, we will go into a full spoily section. Spoilies review. So <clears throat> it gives you time as well to watch the movie if you don't want it. Spoiled. So wrap up the show. We did this last week. Uh, we'll do it again this week and kind of have a kind of a two-hand to it is giving some movie recommendations uh, yeah. for people this week. Um, now, because we, we each ended up watching some different films that we both were kind of rewatches that we really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they both happen to be, again, on Netflix. So I'm guessing the majority of you out there have Netflix so you can enjoy it on there. Um, uh-huh. For me, I just recently rewatched uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, <laughs> which I've seen uh, quite a handful of times before I... I, I even saw it originally in theaters when it had come out. And it's just honestly one of my all-time favorite movies. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I love that movie. Like, to me, it's like the more I watch it, I just love and appreciate it even more. And it is kind of funny because it's it's based off the comic book series. Um, and in, in the movie and the story itself, it's very much dealing with uh, not only comic, like, pop culture, but even, like, literal video game pop culture. And I almost kind of make the argument, like, out of all the video game movies that have ever come out, I would argue that Scott Pilgrim, ironically, or not even ironically, like, it is the best video game movie, even though it's it wasn't originally based off a of video game. Like, mm-hmm. just in its literal references and even the things they do stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you can make an argument out of all of Edgar Wright's films that he's directed... This is almost like his, you could make the argument it's his strongest work directorially in terms of the direction and crafting of it. Like Mm -hmm. everything is so just placed and intentional 
and so razor sharp down to the editing and just the runtime. Like, I don't know. To me, it just, it, it runs, it just runs like a train on a buttered track. Like it just goes, it's so smooth <laughs> and it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Like the movie's just really funny. Uh, I love the action in it. And even visually, ironically, because the movie came out in 2010, like the visual effects still hold up really well, you know? Mm-hmm. And because like a part of it too is on its side is stylistically, it's meant to be a play on, you know, the comic books and even video games. So it, can, it takes some more exaggerated liberties visually, but it, it just is a movie that's just so well crafted. It's just a fun, engaging story the whole time. And, yeah, this is my general just re- recommendation of it without a full review. But yeah, I watched it again. I love it. I I, mm-hmm. I'm, I think it's a movie you'd say you enjoy as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's on Netflix now. If you're looking for just a really fun, exciting movie to watch, go ahead and watch it because I love it. Yeah. That's that. So now you just rewatched, I think, a movie around the same time as me as well. That's also on Netflix. Yeah, totally pretty different. Yeah, I was about to say, so very different shift. If you want a, like a more lighter, fun experience, mm-hmm. go watch with Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on your end. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's been a very long time since I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. So I just rewatched it uh, mm-hmm. a few nights ago. Uh, the movie Glory. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if I really want to say a whole lot. Yeah. Because I feel like if you haven't seen it, it almost might, this might sound weird, but it almost might be a little more satisfying going into it. Yeah. Not necessarily knowing, like, a whole lot. That's fair. I'll just say, yeah. like, it has Matthew Broderick mm-hmm. and it has Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. And uh, Morgan Freeman. And how could you argue with it? just those alone? Like <laughs> those three, you know, people alone. it's, I actually, I don't know if this will sound extreme, but I actually think it's the kind of movie where like, if you want to be a filmmaker or if you've like, you're just someone who's really passionate about film. I feel mm-hmm. like it's one of those movies where everyone has to see at least once. Wow. I mean, I can't, I mean, it's for me, it's been, a, I actually need to rewatch it. It's been a long time. I personally but I just I, loved it. Yeah. It's very emotional. And it's very, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. Like there are some moments that are pretty heavy handed. Yeah. Um, and even like some of the war, war violence is mm-hmm. still, you know, even from the eighties. So there's some of it, some of it's like a little dated, a little maybe. dated. Okay. But then other parts of it are still really still hold still up. pretty shocking. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. If you are comfortable with dealing with that mm-hmm. and you just want to watch a really, a really powerful movie, then mm-hmm. I highly recommend Glory. I think that's a great recommendation. It, yeah. Because yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember obviously really enjoying it and it is such an all-time classic. So mm-hmm. uh, that's perfect. Yeah. Obviously two movies that are on different ends of yeah, the spectrum. Yeah, two very, yeah. Don't, don't but, be like, oh, well, I'm in a fun mood, so watch either, watch yeah. whichever one, like. Plan it out. No, but to no two movies like I, again while they're very different. If you really love film and want to just under like films that have such a passion for filmmaking and impress that onto you, those are two. I would two essential films to watch. I would say. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Glory's maybe obviously more all time revered award wise, but you know, still two. But Scott Pilgrim versus the World mm-hmm. is still really. Um, it's just very. Sharp. It's kind of geniusly made. 
in a way. Not to spend too much more time, but, like, it's... How do I put it? Like, it's kind of, like, the perfect way to bring, like, the best of video games Mm -hmm. into real-world live action. Yeah. And in a way that is both self-aware and funny about it, Mm -hmm. but... It never, all, but yeah. also like doesn't go too far in that direction. If no, that makes yeah, sense. It could, and it doesn't because it, it's not trying to be a parody or anything. Like it's fully no. embracing it. Yeah, like and again mixed with like just great characters, like yeah. the performances, the writing, everyone's arcs and motivations. Like mm-hmm. especially in an hour and a half movie, like it just it's just so razor sharp and it's for me just so satisfying. Yeah, you know. So even on a writing level, it's a great one to watch, especially mm-hmm. in terms of just blending comedy and heart and all that. But then mm-hmm. again, on a filmmaking level, the crafting, mm-hmm. it just, yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of a perfect put together movie. So mm-hmm. yeah. So go ahead, depending, you know, depending on your mood, watch Scott Pilgrim, watch Glory. They're yeah. Both on Netflix. Yeah. So yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'd say that probably just about wraps it up for this episode uh yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean i don't know really what else we could talk about you know? um other than remind everyone hashtag up the base and yes that uh you know <laughs> it's a it's a p- very powerful campaign and <laughs> as christopher nolan uh it's it's important my films are important my films are important to the state of cinema i'm pushing the medium <laughs> forward so please see tenet in theaters if you can It'll have a home release at some point, but please go watch it. I would really appreciate it. And um, yeah, uh, uh, Matthew's handing me a note card here. He's saying that the show's over. Uh, uh, You know, uh, thanks to having our co-host Luke again on the show. Would you like to say goodbye on the show for this episode? Uh, Yeah, goodbye and hashtag up the base. And hashtag up the base. Movies matter, and so do you. I'm Christopher Nolan. Take care. Movies of Matt. Movies of Matt. Movies, movies, movies of Matt. 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 Movies of Matt.